Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. We are going to do another one of our 2000s movies. Uh, and today we are going to be reviewing Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. And then Chapin has an epic game for Lee and I to play. We don't know anything about it, so uh, we're very excited to try this game out. It's called Hollywood Mogul. Uh, Hollywood Mogul. And it'll be its debut right here on this episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Purple in the morning, blue in the afternoon, orange in the evening. Just like that. One, two, three, four. So, Requiem for a Dream, guys. Um, it, we talk about these movies. There's, there's like a list of movies that people say. They go, oh, that was a good movie, but I never want to watch it again. And I think Requiem for a Dream gets put on that list quite often. Mm. So, I'm going to frame this question as if you're Darren Aronofsky and, or, or the filmmaker. I mean, you're clearly a talented filmmaker. You recently, you know, went to film school. You clearly know a lot of uh, uh, things about the medium and are really willing to experiment with how you're presenting stuff to to your audience. And you decide, hey, I want to make a movie about drug culture and the impacts that have on people. So what is your responsibility or what is the responsibility of a talented filmmaker in terms of what they put their audience through? So essentially just because you can do something, should you do something? And where does that line lie where you, you have to take your audience on a journey, but it's going to be a rough one. What What's your responsibility as a filmmaker there? I thought a little bit about um, our discussion about Tarkovsky and that kind of my question that opened that podcast, because like at least Darren Aronofsky knows not to, you know, make his movie longer than 95 minutes. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, so and he's that's one generally one are, pretty, are pretty short. They are uh, requiem for a dream is, 100 minutes. I think uh, the fountain is even shorter. Hour and 46 minutes. It's a great Actually, question. Might even less. Yeah. I mean, I, 
it's so, and, and let me let me like reframe it just as sure. sort of like if you look at like Hitchcock or somebody else who who obviously they care or De Palma we just watched that documentary on him and for the Scarface they care about their audience in the what they're eliciting from the audience that becomes maybe the focal goal of what they're trying to do here you got I I think it's it's fair to say sort of an onslaught of brutality that that literally sort of comes to a crescendo um, by the end of this movie that you just can't sort of get a, get a rest from. Uh, and it's very effective in that way, but it does the effectiveness justify the means in which we got there. Yeah, I think it's effective. I think it's definitely effective um, in the sense that it makes you feel something. And it makes you feel that very quickly and very easily, much like taking a drug, which might be his point, right? Like Mm -hmm. you immediately start watching some of those scenes or just this film in general, and you are kind of enveloped by it and you're under its control in a way, much like you are when you are doing what these characters are doing, which are popping pills or, um, you know, taking heroin or whatever. Um, I would argue a little bit about your comment about drug culture. I mean, I don't think, just to be completely a matter of fact, that I don't think this film knows much or anything about drug culture. Fine. I don't think they get Fine. That maybe at all, maybe but. drug culture is the wrong word, but it definitely is about addiction, taking sure, addiction sure. and drugs. I mean, but I guess that's my point. Is like I don't I don't know that this is a like a realistic or or um, a uh, sort of authentic portrayal of that which it doesn't need to be i don't think that's his no. point i think it's but um my point has to do more with the filmmaking and the the way it's portrayed than mm. it does to do with how realistic and i i agree with you Chip, and i don't ever thought this movie is trying to be really realistic but how aronofsky takes his skills and sort of punish i mean deliberately punishes his audience chapin we I think it was on a, the quick fix we haven't released yet. We were talking about uh, sex, sex in movies and violence in movies mm-hmm. and rapes in movies and things like that. And, you know, what is the responsibility of the filmmaker when portraying things like that? And, Jeremy, I think your question is similar. And my answer then, Chapin, is the same as it is now in terms of you know, where is that line? I don't think there is a line as long as what you come up with is effective and works within the context of your story and your film and everything around it is justifying what you're putting on screen. Mm-hmm. So you can you can be as punishing to your audience as you choose to be as a filmmaker as long as what's in your film the consequences, the motivations are are justified surrounding that. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense. Yeah. I, I and look I, I but I don't I, I think Jeremy's question is more from like we were more looking at that from a moral standpoint and I'm interpreting right. Jeremy's question as like your 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 role as a filmmaker. Correct. And I would just say so that it, like I don't I don't find this film to be a pleasure to watch at all. I think it's like an interesting sort of like it's sort of trite to use the term roller coaster because I don't think that's what it is. Um, although it is set on Coney Island, uh, yep. <laughs> but I guess it's just it's just uh, 
it's an experience, right? Like it's more like a haunted house, you know, like you're just trying to get through it. And, but, and, but at the end of that haunted house, you're not, I, I mean, this movie's effective in this sort of, to put it like, if we're, if we're going to put it simply the, this sort of just say no to drugs, it has that eff- I completely it's agree. There. I completely agree. And I was thinking while I was watching it, I was like, I was really just like putting a lot of mental effort into separating the message <laughs> from the filmmaking because mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to look at those things as two separate entities, but I just couldn't. I, I, it's, it's very hard to do that. Because I don't think that because I don't think they are. I think they work in conjunction with each other. I right, but that that makes for me that makes the filmmaking less effective. I think that that's like if that's your message, if that's your message, and it's you, such a simple message. It's it's a simple. It's a very simple message, and it's also. I was also like I didn't. I think when you know that going into a film, like we didn't know what Tarkovsky's intention was with with that film. And we even talked about um, what Brian De Palma was trying to do with Scarface, which is like Jeremy kept saying a pretty blunt instrument. This film, I think it's very obvious, at least partially what he, what Aronofsky is trying to say. And you know that as soon as you see the film. Um, So I wanted to like, try to examine those things separately. I wanted to, I wanted to absorb the filmmaking without its connection to the message. And I, I tried really hard to do that. I think you can, though. I, I, I disagree with Lee. I think the filmmaking is wild. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's unique enough that no matter what the sort of message is, you can, you can watch it for just that. But it's impossible not to utilize it to then elevate the message. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But it also kind of walks, the filmmaking walks you through the story, which is then ultimately leading you to the message you're left with. I mean, this movie is called Requiem for a Dream, which essentially translates to like the death of your dream. And they have all these dreams and these illusions of grandeur and this all this money they're going to make and success they're going to have. And Ellen Burstein has this dream of being on television and and being liked by everybody and and that quite literally crumbles and dies because of their own actions and the visceral nature of this filmmaking allows you to go on that ride with them and kind of see how intensely that can crumble and well, let's so make Let's just real quick make it clear to everyone because we've—I I should have said at the beginning—we've all seen this. We all saw this movie years and years ago. This is n- nobody's first time viewing it. Right. I think I remember you—you um, you had it on your shelf at, and when we were roommates, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Ah, cool. Uh, this is a new <laughs> film," and I watched it. And, yeah, like, like uh, this is the perfect movie to watch in film school because you're right. experimenting you're thinking about different styles like you've you know when you first have that camera i mean like the 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 tools like the the um you know his his technique is very obvious right which which is not to say that it's bad but well, like he uses everything i mean when you look at what he's doing it's an like if you wanted to like the next day go in and fire up the flatbed editor and you know 
cut in three frames of, you know, your roommate covered in blood or whatever, you know, whatever the little insert is, you, you understand it's easy to interpret his, his technique and apply it to something else because it's very obvious. Yeah. And I think that was part of my question as, as a, because as a filmmaker, you can tell that he, he is very, he's knowledgeable, but he's also knowledgeable in that sort of film schooly way mm-hmm. where you want to experiment with all these things you've tried and he he's able to take it and do a really good job with it and an effective job with it but a lot of it is uh, i mean you could you could call this movie a bit of a uh jerk off movie jerk off cinematic experience if you wanted to i i can see the you know film school elements of this movie like you guys are describing for sure uh i will say that i don't know that it's been done like this in such an obvious way as well as this movie is constructed. Um, you, I don't throw this word around very uh, lightly when it comes to movies, and I don't think you guys are going to entirely agree with me just based on what you said, but I honestly think that this movie is a masterpiece. Wow. I think that's a fucking crazy thing to say. I think that's it's, an idiotic thing to say. It's not, Chapin. This movie This movie is, is not a masterpiece. It is. It is so incredibly effective and all of the tools that he's using, every one of those little film school things that you see him do works on its own by on a scene by scene basis, but also leads to the final product, which you guys have been talking about. Like this movie is supposed to be a punishment. This movie is supposed to leave you in a in a state where you don't want to watch it again but you can't stop thinking about it and it does I, all of those things so i don't know how you can say that think, all of the tools he used weren't effective i think it's masterful filmmaking but i don't think this movie's a masterpiece i think but what's where missing this, for you guys for me it goes back to what chapin just said about scarface i i I weirdly can like to compare these two movies because to me <laughs> because it's like comparing black and white and like no, good and bad and well, they're like, okay, so they're kind of, they're both <laughs> blunt instruments. Yeah, but one is of, so much more artistic. That's the point. Like, To me, they're like different sides of Thor's hammer, you know? They're just, they're, they're both very blunt, <laughs> like, and they're both, like, one's about the drug kingpin world and the other's about the other side of it, which is sort of the individual getting addicted to drugs. And they're both sort of obvious with what they want to say. I think Requiem for a Dream is a much better movie, and and the, the filmmaking is much better. But I don't the the subtleties of the I would say the characters aren't quite there for me to call this. But a why great do you want film. subtlety from these characters? Why do you, I, I, why do you well, want? Well, I, I wanted a breath. I needed to have. I needed to watch these people without the music video cuts or the you know camera attached to their face while they're walking all that's cool and it's great and it's effective but i needed scenes where i got to know these people beyond that see that see that's the thing is that like that you're not supposed to have a breath in this movie like that and you guys keep even amidst your criticisms you keep talking about its effectiveness and that's the point of this movie it's a, this is like 
literally the opposite of the Annihilation Film Festival thing where you're like, oh, just watch it again. Just watch it again. <laughs> this is the this is you're going to watch my movie once and you're going to be so affected by it that you're going to put it on the shelf and never watch it again. But you're never going to stop thinking about it. That's and if true. a filmmaker can achieve that, that is Masterful. I'm not going to have another fucking reversal situation here. I'm not going to do it in two <laughs> podcasts in a row. <laughs> Lee, Lee, what I will say, you. what I will say, and one thing that I will give this movie maybe a top ten of of all time. Well, there's two things. There's two things. The score. The score is so good. But oh. we'll get. We'll talk about that. Oh, but, Chapin, you stick in the mud. <laughs> but the other thing is Ellen Burn Burstin's performance. Burns. I think it's one. Of, Whatever. <laughs> I don't I think, think there's an N in the middle. Burstin. Burstein. She's Whatever. doesn't matter. She's we, everybody knows who we're talking about. Either love. way, I think it might be a top ten performance of all time. So you know what was really interesting about that performance for me, and I've always really liked it. And it was one. Of, it, it's of course the, if if not the, impact this movie has on you, the second most talked about aspect of this movie is her performance which she was nominated for an Oscar for I always really liked it I watched The Fountain last night which she is in briefly and she's back to her very kind of elegant polished character that I think she is more known for even in a movie like The Exorcist like she's a she's an actress she's very well known she's very beautiful so to see the juxtaposition between that Ellen Burstein and this one reminds you or just emphasizes what a transformation it is and how good it is. Yeah, I, I also think like she's somehow simultaneously over the top and subtle at the same time, which I think is nearly impossible. I think impossible you could say that about a lot of aspects of this movie. Pull, to pull off. Chapin, what, Chapin, what's wrong? You're getting so mad. You know who else is good in this movie, Chapin? Don't Jared Leto. No, he's <laughs> not. He, he is he's not good. He could he could have been cast by he could have been like twenty other actors. Okay, that doesn't mean he wasn't good. It's a different. I don't think look. I don't think he was good. I guess I'd look at this as just like a a little bit of. I think I said this on the Scarface podcast too, but a little bit of a time capsule, but not so much for what the the time that the movie was representing, which I'm sure was the same time as the film came out, but as like, a, this is a little moment in filmmaking and it had its impression on me and it had an impression on you guys and the film world. Um, but that's where it belongs. Like, I don't, I think I, I don't find these techniques particularly, particularly effective. I think that they are, they are easy and I don't think they're particularly bold for that reason. And I just, I, I don't know. I, 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 I get the feeling they create in us. You know, I get that we are, um, like, let me give you an example. Um, that scene where Marlon Wayans is, is in the limo and the Italian mafia shoot the drug dealer that he's with right mm -hmm. there's that shot afterwards where he's running and he's got the camera like attached to his chest Re reverse steady cam yeah it's not a reverse steady cam the camera is literally m mounted to him so he's running and he's got a camera mounted on him 
And they they use that shot. They over use it a yeah, couple. They, there's a couple different. Yeah, it's a steady cam though, but it's facing in the opposite direction. They do use it with Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, it's but it's it's actually still, so you can't move. So it moves right, in this right, right, right. Really, yeah, a sort yeah. of unique way. And it doesn't have the weight on it. Yeah. I'll just say, like, I think I don't really know. Like that was sort of a horrifying scene. He's like screaming and not, but like that, and that was an effective technique in making that particular but i have no idea what that what that meant i have no idea what that particular thing meant and i think like you're sort of put in these situations and and you're 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 it's like having all these techniques and and things thrown at you and they kind of hit you and you know you you absorb it or you react to it and then you move on and it doesn't last it's not like building on itself it's just making you feel one way at one time immediately and then you move on and so there's no like cumulative effect like with scorsese who's another guy who's sort of plucking every string he can at some at some point there i feel like these things build for a reason and they build to tell an overall narrative and arc and make you feel a certain way and with this film i just don't feel that way so a few things in response to that but i i do think before I get to him, we should talk a little bit about some of the, what these techniques are that we're talking about. There's there's the camera that's attached to the characters that faces them that we see him use a couple times. Uh, but beyond that, there's a lot that he does with lighting. Um, there's a lot he does with these quick, quick cuts, cut, yeah. quick cuts, Inserts, um, mm-hmm. split you know, screens, sp- split screens. I mean, he does stuff with like the background in scenes when. Uh, uh, Ellen Burstein's at the doctor's office. The doctor walks in, and behind him, outside the door, is just foggy green. You don't have any any set. It's just sort of almost like you're you're in a dream, I guess, for lack of a better description. So there's a lot of different things he uses, and I and I a hundred percent understand the idea behind Aronofsky just taking these tricks, these tools, whatever you want to call them, and plugging them in throughout the movie. But I dismiss the idea that these are all just kind of there and then they're gone and they don't build to anything. And I have some theories on what each one of them individually might be trying to say. I think a lot of the camera work has to do with perspective and what you're, you're, he, intent, he wants you to be looking at. You know, the, the idea of looking at these characters' faces and judging their emotions as opposed to looking around and seeing what they're seeing, I think is an effective way to kind of understand what they've just been through. But that aside... This whole movie builds from the very beginning to the very end. It gets faster and faster and faster. The cuts get quicker. The music I, gets more intense. I totally so agree I think, with you. I totally agree I think with you. The, the stylistic choices, and this is what I said before, I think they all work on a scene-by-scene basis. And yes, maybe that means that you're absorbing them and then moving on from them. But by the end, the, the collection is still sticking with you. You're and you But what is the what is the glue that's sticking that all together? See, that's I, the that's the point. I well no, I think the answer that glue is the score. And without yeah. that score, I don't know how effective it all would have been because that score is like I said, it culminates. It you don't yeah. I, I can't think of any other film score that sort of started down here and moved its way up there as all these effect all these sort of shots and uh scenes came together uh so that's that's a question we could have about it like what where would this movie be without that score would this be effective at all would it all just fall apart it probably wouldn't but 
the definition of a masterpiece, in my opinion, is when every single piece works together and you can't be missing a single one. I mean, now we've been talking a lot about, obviously, the the technical decisions and and the the filmmaking in this movie. But the story, which is very kind of basic and simple, it's, you know, these four characters and how their addiction to drugs ruins their lives – I think it's really, really powerful, and especially Jennifer Connelly's storyline. I think is extraordinarily powerful. You know, do you, you think feel about like it the... happens too quickly for any of them? Maybe, maybe. I, it, but, I have a problem with that. But the the movie is supposed to be spread out over, I think, you know, maybe a half a six a months or nine months. No, it's a year. Does it ever get year. to the next summer? I can't. Well, anyway, uh, whatever. They give you the title cards of which season you're in, so it's not supposed to necessarily be going quickly but the movie is only you know a hundred minutes you know but i think about the end of this movie and you see all these devastating things happening to all the characters um and then you get a moment of calm and you kind of just take a step back and you see uh spoiler alert you see jared leto with his his arm cut off you see uh marlon wayans in prison you see ellen burstein lonely alone you know and in basically a hospital, maybe and basic, a mental yeah, hospital. A mental hospital. Um, but the most powerful image of all of those is you see Jennifer Connelly after coming home from being absolutely sexually abused for drugs, lying on her couch, hugging her drugs. And she's calm and at peace because she has what she needs so the worst has yet to come for her and i think that that's an amazing image and an amazing way to end this movie to think that all these horrible things have happened and nothing has been solved and that's disturbing and that that's devastating that's powerful and it's unapologetic yeah look i think chapin chapin's convinced I'm, yeah, I'm convinced. I mean, look, I, I, I think this is a is an important movie, and I think it's, I think it's, um, it's a it's a remarkable achievement. I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Like, it's hard to define a masterpiece, but like that just seems like way too, way too high praise for this. This movie is just too. It's it's. If it's filmmaking, is I'll, I'll give you this. I'll give you the filmmaking, the minute to minute stuff. It's great. It's powerful. And it's like, what I will say about this film is that it's probably been 15 years since I've seen it. And let's just say it came out 20 years ago, as all these movies have been. And it's like the least forgettable film. It's probably the one that we've watched, that I've watched the least that we've gone back to. And it's the least forgettable. You don't forget it. You can't forget these images. They are burnt into your brain. I guess what I mean about that sort of like, how they impact you was that it's just that like, I, I, I think the overall arc, the story arc is just too simple. And I wish that he was a more sophisticated filmmaker. You do see it, I guess a little bit in um, the fountain where these things become a little, he becomes a little bit more of a, a storyteller who appreciates structure, but like, it's just kind of a runaway train. And, and like, and we, we see what happens. Like it, it is just it is like the sort of expansion of a thirty second this is your brain on drugs type ad. And and I, I, I don't think that's like necessarily as mean as I mean it to say, but I just mean like the 
the, the structure and the storytelling and, and what the film is trying to say is not as sophisticated as the technique. Yeah, and that's why I sort of called it the other end of that Thor's hammer. I think that's why it's sort of blunt. I mean, it it's effective, but it's blunt. And I don't think he's a bad. I don't think he's a bad filmmaker or a, a not a sophisticated filmmaker. I think he's a very sophisticated filmmaker for how he's portraying it. But I don't think he's a sophisticated storyteller here. And that's what I was getting at with yeah. wanting those moments of th- these characters. I I don't. I understand what you're saying, Lee. Like, the whole idea is the pacing and to put you in their sort of shoes to experience it. But I needed I needed to know... I needed to be able to follow these characters more than these two like each other. These two are trying to go into business for each other. They lose it. They need drugs. It all goes bad. I needed something more there. So I, the storytelling part exactly. is not going to be keep with you through the years when you think of this movie it's not like oh yeah um jared leto didn't get you know he wasn't a very good drug dealer and you know you don't think you think about the quick cuts you think about eyeballs you think about uh close-up of drugs you think about the split screen you think about ellen uh burston's refrigerator gonna eat her like that's the stuff you think about it okay and that's fine and i but this feels a little bit like you guys are looking for something that this movie had no intention of doing. Like you also yes. remember, yeah. you also remember that the story starts with these characters who are not addicted to drugs and ends with their lives ruined. So in terms of a structured story, you see a beginning and a middle and an end. Well, they're addicted when you when you start. Okay, I mean, fine. they're stealing right. a TV to. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's not my point. But they haven't fallen too far down the rabbit hole quite yet at the beginning of this movie um so there is a structured story the simplest level of it is there and you do remember that and you remember it so vividly because of how it's captured so forget about whether or not jared leto is a drug dealer that's a secondary character development piece that yeah sure maybe you were missing some but was just not important okay i i that that makes total sense to me, and I will say that like the story arc, I feel like jives with the technique, right? Like the technique is extreme, so the story arc technique. But like, let's and, and listen. Like I'm not trying to come out here like the guy who like knows everything about drugs or whatever. But you have to admit that like these are the extreme results of of taking drugs, and because of that, you've got a less subtle and less sophisticated and ultimately less effective story here. The guy's arm gets cut off. Uh, uh, Jennifer Connelly has to completely become a slut to pay for her drug addiction. Marlon Wayans is in jail. Like, okay. I mean, (laughs) look, I'm sure I know that that happens. I know your limbs can rot off, but like, what about, what if, and I don't, I'm sorry to be prescriptive here, but I think it's useful in this discussion. What if, you know, I think most of the time what happens to people on drugs is their relationships dissolve and they lose their jobs and all these other terrible things that aren't having your arm sliced off in a, in a hospital. And I think there's plenty of things that can happen to you as a woman, especially if you are on drugs. But like... <laughs> What happens but to it's, her? It's over. It's over the top. It's over the top. And and Ellen Burns is a, is the best example but, that like she goes from 
wanting to t- lose 20 pounds to electric shock therapy. And okay. that is, I mean, I'm sorry, but, but like, but this is the point that you will never up. forget. Things, you're right. I won't, but like, that's not like, so it's, what it's okay. I, but you, then what right, am, here's what's the, question. the point? Could, what am I trying? What am I supposed to take away from this? Drugs are bad. Okay. That's fine. But they don't necessarily lead to shock therapy. Could could he have done this movie visually the same, but the storytelling being a, a bit more subtle? Could that have worked? Could he still used all these techniques and maybe slow things down? That, no, not with the intensity in which he uses these techniques. I mean, he can use split screen and you know reverse steady cams and you know animation of fridges moving and all this you know these dreamy looking sequences. But Clint Mansell's score has to come down like a thousand octaves, and like it okay, all has to no, slow I mean, down if you want to change that. But I, I think I see your point. But like you could have like the end, the 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 third act could be them, you know, running from somebody trying to kill them who they robbed or something like that. You, like you know what this feels like to me, Tapin. This feels a little bit to me like your critique of the second act of the Deer Hunter. Ugh. To me, it doesn't matter if the Russian roulette is representative of the real-life scenario. It is something that you have a visceral reaction to. And I, that's what the end of this movie does. Okay, so in that I, I, aspect, look, I, ag- I agree, but I, I, I totally know what you're saying. But like, what if, it, what if in The Deer Hunter, the ground opened up and they fell down to hell and they had to play... Uh, checkers with the devil. I mean, to some extent, like you have to have a. There's a level of realism. I want to see authenticity that, that okay. matters. Yeah, fine, but you're acting. You're acting like in this movie, like the, uh, Jared Leto gets gets turned into a dragon and then is slain. But like, it's it's not a fantasy film. It might be an extreme. Extreme no, representation of what happened off while he's still awake. Okay, and that I would will admit is there is a little bit of like an odd uh, thing that he does at doctors' offices and hospitals with this movie. Like he's the doctor of, that prescribes the pills him. to El- Ellen Burstein is like is really strange. Like there's there's definitely a, I mean a lot, again I'm not going to deny the bluntness of this movie. I even wrote down I can't find my note on it that this movie is just as blunt as Scarface, but it's done in such a such a much more artistic way. That it's it's more effective, but um, yeah, fine. I like I don't care if <laughs> if the arm getting cut off is not done exactly to the procedures okay, that it's done in a hospital. I, that's okay, but I would <laughs> I would forgive that if it wasn't. Then you cut to uh, Marlon Wayans being you know attacked you know in the South for 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 racism, or Ellen Burst being electrocuted like she's like. You know, and her hair's all frayed out like she's, um, you know, Doc, what's his name from Back to the Future? And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Jennifer Connelly is like doing a double dildo show with like surrounded by frat boys. Like it's like the worst situation, worst situation, worst situation. And, and, okay, the, the problem is, is you just can't, like, I, I, that doesn't, that's meaningless to me. It's I meaningless. Know. I don't know how you can say it's meaningless and then also say this movie is effective, though. Because it's effective in showing that, like, 
bad things can happen and it's effective right, so why not show these horrible things whether they're realistic or not <laughs> I, I think where the argument lies is this being a masterpiece and what you want to get Fine. out of it because i i just i think this movie like we are saying it's effective it does what it wants but i also agree with chapin that over like over time you don't really remember this movie this movie was part of its time and its place, and you remember it for that as sort of a filmmaking, awe-inspiring thing, but not as a generalized movie. I don't yeah. know. If, I don't even know if you guys agree with that because every we've just consistently come back to how effective it is and how. And Jeremy, you wanted to do top five movies that haunt you. The definition of something that haunts you is something that sticks with you. And it's not just the filmmaking didn't haunt you. Yeah, it's but the I, there's com- movies that I have everything. Everything. But that remember, have haunted remember me. Remember my remember my triangle scale thing. You've got yes. to do something with that. You've got you've got to do something with that haunting. You've got to say something. And what's he saying? What's he saying with this movie? Don't do drugs. That, that's consequ- so basic. It doesn't have to better be just don't do famous. drugs. There's, con- there's consequences to your actions. You can have. You can have it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be poetic and bring it back to the the overly poetic title of this movie. Okay. If you want to. If you. If you want something. If it's not a masterpiece because the title is kind of silly and a little film school, film studenty. But if if you requiem for you, a dream A plus at Emerson. You can, <laughs> exactly. You can have a dream of something you want to do with your life whether it's whether it's be a successful entrepreneur even if that means it's you're you're selling drugs whether you want to be on television whatever it may be your actions have consequences and that's what this movie is about whether it's drugs whether it's violence whether it's anything your right. actions have consequences there well, there's the that's message fine. That that's fine. i don't you. think that's a very interesting message but like what i'll say is you don't have to have I, a, I a, an think, interesting basis of a message to make an interesting movie, though. I wish you guys would have watched Mother because I feel like that movie is the exact is like has the exact same problems that this film does. You'll probably love it, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it was between that and the Fountain last night, and I watched the Fountain. Okay, you um, got, are you ready to move on? I, I just want to hear, hear you guys what you think of Burston. I told oh, you, I think she's great. I think she's. I, I think she's. She's very good. It's a. Uh, um, you know, it's an over-the-top performance, but I, I I love her. Like she she's like what this movie does when it when it goes right. I also love Marlon yeah. Wayans too. Jared Leto's very good. Can go fuck himself. Everybody's good in this movie. No, Jared Leto's not. All right, let's play a game. Okay. <sighs> um. So here, guys. So this is the the scoring here is a little complicated. So do you want me to keep score? <laughs> Shit. Yes. Uh, I get yeah. nervous when you do that because know, you forget right? sometimes. I know. But. So um. I'll try to keep score, but I was going to see if Lee wanted to do it for me. I don't um, have a pen. Otherwise, I'd be happy to. Okay. Welcome to Hollywood Mogul. Um, this is a, this is going to test. You guys aren't looking anything up, right? Not, no, I we're mean, not. Like we haven't even anything. started the game. Okay. So there are three rounds. First round is worth one point. Second round is worth two points. The third round is worth four points. And then the last two questions are worth a possible nine points. And I will explain those as we get there. Now, you this is a box office slash budget guessing game called Hollywood Mogul, where you guys are playing the Hollywood, the chief studio head. Now, these numbers, of course, of like, as you guys know, are a little, you know, iffy and weird and blah, blah, blah. So I just want to tell you, they are based on unadjusted for inflation 
international gross where I where I don't specify that. So where, it, oh, where did you get your numbers? Box Office Mojo? Yeah, and Wikipedia, and I had to source a lot of them. Okay. Um, and uh, I look like I'm missing a question. Shit. Okay, that's fine. Um, Game canceled. Uh, and so I will explain each round. So just keep that in mind that this is based on the international, not the domestic. Okay. International box office gross, and it's not adjusted for inflation. Okay. Got it. IMT. Okay. So do you guys want to flip for who goes first while I look up my number eight question here? Rock, pa- rock paper, scissors. Yeah. Best rock, of three. rock, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. Shoot. Oh. Yeah. Especially since you went like a second after me. That was easy for you. <laughs> Jeremy got scissors. I got. I don't think we should do a best out of three on an audio okay, medium. Okay, so I'll go That's first. Not- <laughs> yeah, I think Chavin just needs to look up his questions. That's what uh, he's like. Stall, stall. Yeah. <laughs> do best out of seven. Pop, rock, paper, scissors. And that's the game. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're gonna start with Jeremy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jeremy. Yeah. What is Martin Scorsese's highest-grossing movie? This is for one point. His highest grossing movie. Internationally, unadjusted for inflation. I'm going to go Gangs in New York. Incorrect. Um, and so my question for you guys is, I don't think I'm going to shoot it over to the other person. That's fine. I think, I think we're just going to have to leave it. So, <clears throat> Can uh, I make my guess, though, even if may. it's not worth a point? You may. The, Depart- the Departed? It's incorrect. It is Wolf of Wall Street. That was going oh, to be my next guess. Lee, yep. what is Paul Thomas Anderson's highest grossing film? Uh, there will be blood. Correct. Oh, I would have got Good that. Good job. Okay. I remembered that from the Paul Thomas Anderson retrospective, which I I have listened to. Excellent. Uh, Jeremy, mm. what is David Fincher's highest grossing film? It would be. I don't want to overthink it. Uh, is it Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? It is not. Curious case of Benjamin Button. Incorrect. It is Gone Girl. Really? Yep. Let me just verify that. That doesn't sound right. (laughs) (laughs) Gone Girl's actually is Elise. Okay. Lee. What now you might sense a trend here. What is Quentin Tarantino's highest grossing film? Internationally. Oh boy. Um Man. I am going to say Inglorious Bastards. That is incorrect. Fuck. Do you care to wager a deal, Jeremy? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Incorrect. It is Django Unchained. Really? We're not I'm very a little good surprised, guys, because I, I thought these were going to be really easy for you, and they are not. So I don't know. Um, Django being this number one grossing movie, that surprised me. I mean, it's his best movie. It is his best movie. Okay. Um, whose turn is it now? Jeremy's. Mine. I'm winning Jeremy. one to nothing. It's one, one to nothing. nothing. Jesus Christ! It's like a, this is like a soccer game. Can you make Jeremy. Can you make the first round worth a hundred points and then the second sure, round worth sure. two hundred points? Jeremy, what is Christopher Nolan's highest grossing movie? You guys should take some time to think about these. <laughs> well, yes, we have twenty five minutes of dead air like last week last week's episode. Uh, Inception. Really think about it. Incorrect. Carried to wager a deal, Jer- Lee. Um, you can, the Dark how about this? The Dark Knight. Incorrect. It and is The, the Dark Knight rises. rises. Yeah. Okay. I knew it was one of the two, but. Excluding the Mission Impossible series, 
What is the highest grossing film starring Tom Cruise? I think you're up, Lee. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, oh, that's uh, so, and this is not, all right, right. So it's not including inflation, right? Correct. So that means old movies are pretty much out. Um, not necessarily. He's uh, grossing Tom Cruise movie. Uh, I don't feel good about Top Gun. That's incorrect. You'd probably be right if it were adjusted for inflation. Right, and that that's why incorrect. I was, I, I, but then I couldn't think quickly of. Jeremy, care to guess? I'll give you a point if you get it, because you're behind one point. What the fuck? Uh, um, Minority Report. No. Oh, my God. No way. War of the Worlds. Oh, I should have got. I forgot about that movie. That's... Wouldn't have thought of that one. Okay, so I don't have a. Uh, I don't have an eighth question. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you guys. I'm gonna. Uh, how would I? How would I do this? I'm going to let you guys buzz in, and I will give the other one who you guys is late the opportunity to um, guess if the other gets it wrong. So you can. Yeah. So you got to say your name if you have a guess. Okay. Yep. Okay. Name Sir Ridley Scott's highest grossing film. Jeremy. Jeremy. Gladiator. Incorrect. Lee? Um, Ridley Scott. Black Hawk Down. That is, of course, The Martian. Really? Yes. Man. Okay, that was supposed to be round. We're really blowing this. Round one, the score is one to zero. (laughs) Yes. We're really blowing this. (laughs) Now, this is round two. I don't understand how what me being a, a big studio head has anything to do with this. I have people to take care of this stuff. I don't need to. I don't need to yeah, see the. Yeah, final. Google. Yeah, you're making you're making the decisions, and you need to know this stuff. All, all I really need like to, to know if is you like to positive quit, or negative. Top five films with dread or whatever. <laughs> okay, so this is round two. This, okay. These are worth two points. There's four total questions. God, you guys aren't gonna get this. Um, who's up? Well, uh, Jeremy rang in for the last one, so technically it's me. Okay, Lee. In the 1990s, only one director had two films in the top ten in a single year. Name the director and the two films. Oh, jeez. 1990s, two movies topping in the top ten for and a box bef- office. B- before you answer this, would you like? Would you guys like for this round to be able to guess if your other person gets it wrong? Yes. Okay. But Wait. for half, but it should be for half the amount of points. Okay, then you get one because we're point. eliminating. Yeah, yeah, you get one we point. We've got like no points. So <laughs> <this didn't matter. laughs> okay. Um. All right. So 1990s. Do you want me to read the question again? No, I got you. 1990s. Dec- uh, so ten year span. Uh, and only one director movies. had two films in the top ten in a single year. Oh, in a, in the same year, in not the same during year. the decade. Oh, okay. Um. Uh, t- 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 um, dead air time, baby. Dead air time. Um, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come up with something. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Um, I don't have it either, so. Yeah, I All don't right. have it. I don't have it. We talked I about can, it a I, lot. I'll, I'll, get, I'll guess the director. Yeah, please. Spielberg. That is correct. All right. And, uh... Oh, fuck. Jurassic Park. 
and fuck, fuck, what fuck. else came out that year? Schindler's List. There you go. God damn it. Yes. One to one. Yes. Very good, Jeremy. Awesome. Okay. Stupid. So, guys, we've been reviewing, as we did on this podcast, the year 2000. What was the highest grossing movie, again, internationally? Wait, who, who's, this is mine, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. All right. Who was the highest grossing movie? What was the highest grossing movie internationally in 2000? Two thousand. Um, Looks like Lee's looked it up. So no, I just have a get your had an the computer. immediate guess. Uh, I don't know. Minority Report. What's That's that? not even no, that. That year. was two thousand two. <laughs> Lee, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. No, God incorrect. Damn it. it was a good guess. Mission though, Impossible it? Two. Oh. oh come on, this didn't count. Okay, so back to Lee. Correct. Yeah. Name the first film to gross more than $1 billion worldwide. Not adjusted for inflation. Correct. Uh, Titanic. That's correct. Uh, I would have got that one, too. Okay. In 1998, Titanic became the highest grossing movie of all time, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. Which film previously held this record? Eh, of all time. 1998. What held it before? Um, Jaws. Uh, that's incorrect. Lee? Is it Jurassic Park? It is. I was yeah. going to guess Jurassic Park, too. Okay, so I'm sorry. Did anybody get one of these right the first time? Yeah, I got Titanic. Yeah. So okay, I got so two that points. was worth two. So you have three, and then Jeremy still has one. Is that correct? Well, but I, I got all three of those, right? No, I have four because I got, um, because I got, I stole a point from him just now. With Jurassic Park? Yeah. Okay, so it's four to four to one, Jeremy. How, how, I had to get three. I had to you get should director give, and two movies. You should give him two points for that, okay, even I'll though. Give him it, two. Four to two. That was a hard one. Okay. Four to two. Good job. Okay, guys, this one's round three. These are worth four points each. And this, this round is called Pick the Hit. Okay? Okay. Decision-making right. time. Now, here's how I'm talking. We're asking, like, which movie is more successful? And the way I'm doing that is taking the international gross of the film, subtracting the budget from it. Okay? okay. So, like, normally there's, like, well, it's you, they only get 50% of the gross, blah, blah, blah. Right, but right. for now, just to simplify things... Gross minus budget. All right? Yep. Awesome. Okay. Whose turn is it? Let's start with Jeremy. Uh, Let's give him the opportunity. Okay. Jeremy, what was the bigger hit? Insomnia or The Prestige? I'm going to go with The Prestige. That is correct. One, two, three. Can you give us the numbers on that? Very, very close. Very, very close. Like within a couple million. Wow. Yeah. And Prestige is a smaller budget, I'm guessing? By $6 million. Okay. That's the difference. If, uh, if you did the whole, like, subtract the budget thing, I right. think Insomnia would have won. But, um, okay. Lee, what was the bigger hit? Gladiator or Castaway? 
Uh, boy. Um, Castaway. Incorrect. Shit. Jeremy? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get I'm a point. Okay. What, what, Gladiator. What is that? I'm just out of curiosity. What was the budget on Gladiator? $103 million. Really? God, that movie would have cost $300 million now. Okay. Uh, back to Jeremy. Mm. What was the bigger hit? Almost Famous or High Fidelity? Ooh, that's great. Uh, I'm going to go Almost Famous. Incorrect. Almost Famous lost money. Yeah, think all the music been. music budget on that movie. <laughs> okay. All right. What's the score? Back. Can I get a score update? It is four, two, one, two. He has six? Six, six. Four? yep. God damn it. All right, I need this one. You need this one. What was the bigger hit? Master and Commander or Kingdom of Heaven? Oh, my God. Um, I feel like this is a trick question of some kind. No matter how yeah. what you say. Master and Commander. That is incorrect. God damn it. I can't <laughs> believe Kingdom of Heaven made money. The thing, Master and Commander it's, didn't bomb. It just didn't do great. It didn't, but it cost a lot. I know, but so how much did Kingdom of Heaven cost? Um, a lot, but it it made more money. Okay. It, it, it cost less and made more. Okay. okay, Jeremy, back to you. In 1999, of a year we explored extensively last year, and we did both these movies on the podcast, what was the bigger hit? The Sixth Sense or The Matrix? I got to go The Matrix. That is incorrect. Really? Six Sense made a lot more money and cost a lot less. Wow. Okay. Um, but, uh, game. You're probably right on video, blah, 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 but we're only doing box office here. Okay, so guys, this is the last two questions, and they're really in for the points here. There's a possibility of nine points or 9.5 points on the second one. I'm try- I tried to make them as equal as possible in terms of hardness and points awarded. Well, if Jeremy gets the first one, I can't catch him. Why? Or if you get the first one, I can't catch you. Yeah, you can, because you're. I'm. Um, I'm down by two points. There's a possibility of nine points. What do you mean? You can catch anybody. Oh, total yeah. between the two questions? No, on each question. Okay, so oh, if Jeremy wow. gets the first one, then he's ahead of me by eleven points. All right, so you go first, Lee. Okay, I will. I'll give. I think this is the easier one. Okay, in 2019. A record nine films made over $1 billion at the international box office. Name four of them. A point will be awarded for each additional film that you get. All right. Okay. What What year? Hold on. I got to pull up the years. <laughs> 2019. Don't look okay. on your computers. Nope. All right. Hold on. Okay. Avengers Endgame. That's correct. Um, Spider-Man that's Far fun, From that's, Home That's enough, that's great, yep um, Man, why am I blanking so hard on all these now um, Every other Marvel movie <laughs> You gotta be more specific, I'm sorry um, What is the amount worldwide that they grossed? A billion? A billion Okay um, You've got two, you need two more to secure four points Yep Um uh, no, that was two years ago. Uh, um, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Yep. Um, great. Uh, 
and uh, God, what the hell? There was the Marvel movie that like literally overlapped Endgame. Um, uh, okay. Um, what are all the superheroes? <laughs> um, God, I really should be getting more of these. Talk. You should. There's yeah. Uh, Can I just say? Oh, yeah, oh, now, now I'm like forgetting movies that were at the fixies. I'm yep. panicking. I'm panicking. Um, uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, there was no Mission Impossible that year. Really? Oh, because yep. uh, Jeremy gave it to Fixie the year before, of course. Yeah, we're going to f- forget you didn't say that. Um, God damn it. I'm embarrassed. Um, you only got to get one more to I get know. four points. God, 2019 seems like so long ago. <laughs> it was yes. It was last year. It was um, yesterday. All right, I think we should move on. I actually don't. I have to get one more. Um, Fuck. Our listeners are like screaming at their at the podcast right now. I'm loving it. Loving. I'm loving making them making them get mad at me. (laughs) That's really the reason. Reason Mm -hmm. I'm doing this. Um. God damn it. Uh. All right. All right. We got it. We got to move on. All right, Lee. You got five seconds. Come on, okay. come up with one name. Little Women. Did not make a billion dollars worldwide, <laughs> no. Come on, know, make a guess. This is a guess. That was... Um, I can't... I'm sorry, guys. I know, there's right. more Marvel, I know there's more Marvel movies, but... I have. A, I only have two guesses. Wait, hold on. You, you don't get... You, I have a different question for you. But, I mean, uh, we can make it more interesting if you want... Yeah, what why I could, don't we do what that? I could do is give Lee three points for that. Okay, do that. Okay, I'll give you three points for that. One, two, three. Okay. And Jeremy, why don't you guess? You can guess two more and I'll give you a point for each. Toy Story Four. That's correct. God damn it. And Captain Marvel. Correct. Oh, uh, that was the other one I couldn't remember. You guys are missing a huge one. Was Spider Man into the Spider Verse? No, that no. was two years ago. We um, reviewed it on this podcast. Really? I'm not gonna give it to you now. I'm giving you fucking hints. What do, what if we ever podcasted about? We don't review current movies. Joker. Uh, oh, forget a forgettable movie. Yeah. Okay. So what else? Um, what else, Chapin? I just okay, want to know the whole I'll list. I'll give you the list. Avengers Endgame, The Lion King, big miss there for you guys. Yeah. Frozen Two, Spider Man Far From Home, Captain Marvel, Joker, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, Toy Story Four, Aladdin. Yeah, I wasn't gonna get Aladdin, Lion yeah. King, and okay. Frozen, so that's okay. So I guess this is. So we'll just start with Jeremy now, and we'll do the same thing. I guess. So what's the score? It is. I think it's tied. Well, I got like a half point for each of those, right? You got a point for for you got one. You seven, got one point. It's seven to eight. Jeremy's in the lead, but he only yeah. got one there, didn't he? No, he no got I two. got Captain Marvel and Toy oh, Story. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, the previous record that was held for this same one uh, for most films over a billion dollars internationally was held in 2015. 
It was also 2018, but we're going to go back to 2015, when five films made over $1 billion at the international box office. Now, I was going to ask you to name two of these, Jeremy, to get four points. Is that fair, or do you guys want to do the you get one point for... Uh, Lee, I can see you looking at the computer. I'm looking at you guys. Name... I can give you a point for each one, and then you guys can... So here's the thing. One point will be awarded for each additional film over $1 billion. Half a point will be awarded for each film in the top 10 under $1 billion. Okay. At what year again? You know what? I'll just give you a point for all of them. I, only have, I can only think of one for sure. 2015. Now, Jeremy, I'll give you... F- Do you want... Four? I mean, of course, you want four points for two, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So name two, and I'll give you four points. Um, well, there was 2015, there was an Avengers. There was. Do you know which one? The first one. Nope, the second one, but that's fine. I'll give you that one. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> you should only get one was, point for that. Or you should and then there was the, it is. the Star Wars. That's correct. Okay, that's two. So you get four points. Which Star Wars? The one that came out 2015. One, two, three, four. Okay, you get four points for that. Now, Lee, I'm gonna. Do you, can you name any more, Jeremy? No. Okay, Lee, I, I'll give you a point for each one you get. Any okay. in the top ten? Jurassic World. That's correct. Good job. That came out then. Wow. Um, the Martian, which that's, I never, I would never have guessed, ten? except that Chapin told me <laughs> that made it's, a bunch of money. It, it's not over a billion, but I'm going to give you. It's in the, It is number ten. So good job. Um, 2015. Uh. Um, Thor Ragnarok. No, that was much later. I don't think it was much later. Uh, that was only five years ago. <laughs> uh, oh, um, Mad Max. Nope, didn't make the top ten. Really? Wow. By a lot. me. That didn't... So you can just keep guessing wrong answers? That didn't make a lot of money. Uh, I'm trying to think of franchises. Um... Yeah, you guys are missing a big one. Was there a Bond movie that year? There was. Which one was it? Uh, Spectre. That's correct. Ooh, I pulled that out of my ass. Um, uh, so, is there any more billion-dollar ones that we haven't gotten? Yes. There's a big one you guys are missing. Actually, there's two, technically. I'm trying to think of 2000... 15. Yeah, that's that's what you are trying that's to think. That's the year. Of. That's yeah. what I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of specifically that year, guys. Right now. I'll give you Good. a hint. I'll um, give you a hint that it made a billion and a half dollars, so it did pretty well. A billion and a half dollars. Um I don't think the Creed. No. Uh <laughs> Jeremy, do you want to guess? Um billion and a half. That's a uh... 50 shades of gray. No. Big chunk of I don't money. even know what year these movies are. I'm literally guessing. Oh, I have a guess. I have yeah. a guess. Frozen. Nope. Oh, fuck. Um, was there another Marvel movie that year? Uh, I'm sure Black there was. Widow. You got it. You got it. So. Did you say Black Widow? Has <laughs> that even come out? Has <laughs> it even come out yet? yet? That's made zero dollars. Okay. I think that's it. Yeah? The Revenant. No. So what is it? 
You missed Furious 7. Uh, oh, yeah. I was never getting that. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <sighs> Leah, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Jeremy had 12. Yes. To the victor go the spoils. It's all right. I Woo, won the Requiem Jeremy. argument. Well, I don't think I don't, that's true. Uh, I think um, that feedback at Get Your Film Fix podcast to determine who won the Requiem argument. Good job. I mean, I actually thought Lee was going to win that one, so I'm really surprised. Uh, I'm disappointed. Yeah. You know what I really should have got was the uh, Spielberg Jurassic Park. Schindler's you definitely, list. Embarrassed. You definitely should have gotten that one. You should be embarrassed. Um, okay, well that was a great job, guys. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's uh, let's do that. Let's wrap it up. Um, thanks for listening. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee. I mean, we literally, we've had the same wrap-up for 10 years, Jeremy. You should know it by now. I, mean, I know it. Do you want me to say, oh, let's go to feedback at, yeah, okay, whatever. Oh, for fuck's sake.